be Deuteronomy chapter number 11. I want to begin reading with verse number 11. But the land, whether you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligent, diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, bind them for a sign upon your hand, you may be, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them, your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon earth. As the days of heaven upon earth. I want to preach on that very subject, that thought, taking it right out of Scripture tonight. The days of heaven upon earth. Don't you want to see those few, a few of those days? The days of heaven upon earth. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Pray that you'll anoint us to preach. You'll anoint every soul to hear, every heart to receive with meekness and grafted word that Paul told Timothy is able to save our soul. Speak to us tonight through the word by your spirit. Let the word fall upon good ground, Lord, and let our lives yield fruit because of it. Lord, you know every need in this house tonight. And you're able, more than able, to meet every need through Christ by his riches. Save the lost, heal the sick, feel the believer. Oh, God, loose them that are bound. I ask you, Lord God, do it all for Christ and his name's sake. Let him be glorified in our midst and our lives tonight. We ask it all in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, just say amen. The days of heaven upon earth. Some good reading that we read in our text tonight. This is what God is promising Israel as they are about to cross the Jordan into Canaan. Canaan was not heaven. <clears throat> it was not heaven because it was a land filled with Canaanites. In it were the enemies of God, heathen nations that worshiped false gods. And God had promised this land to Abraham and to his seed. And God was about to fulfill his promise, his covenant with Abraham, and cause Abraham's seed to inherit the land that he had promised. And he said that he would have to drive out the inhabitants of that land from before the children of Israel so that they might possess the land. He said little by little would he drive them out. As the children of Israel increased, the land would be there to increase with them. And so it's not heaven because there'll be no devil in heaven, be no enemy in heaven to be driven out, but it is a type of victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory over sin. Victory over Satan. Victory over self. That's what it represents, the abundant life. He said it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It is a, a type of the baptism in the Holy Ghost, this spirit-filled abundance that Brother Daniel was testifying about exhorting people to be filled. Listen, God's overall desire for his church is to bless his church abundantly. 
He said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He desires, with great desire, I believe, to bless the church. In Luke 12 and verse 32, he said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. We, we like giving our children good gifts. A mother likes feeding her children. A father likes providing for his family and seeing his children fed, seeing them clothed, and seeing them have the things that are necessary in life for them to make it. It brings pleasure, brings joy and gladness to our heart as parents to do that for our children. We have a good father, a heavenly father. He said it is his good pleasure to give unto us the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 1 and 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then in Romans 8 and 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We're going to look tonight at two things throughout this chapter in Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Uh, two things. Number one, God's abiding provision or God's abounding provision, rather, I'm sorry, God's abounding provision and God's provide, uh, abiding, can't talk, God's abiding conditions, God's abounding provision, God's abiding condition. Anywhere God promised blessing or provision, it always came with an abiding condition. Isn't that right? Usually it had an if attached to it. If my people. So we're going to look at these two things tonight in chapter number 11 of the book of Deuteronomy. I want to begin with verse number 17 as we look at God's provisions for his people. God's provisions for his people. In verse 17, he calls this land the good land which the Lord God giveth you. The good land which the Lord God giveth you. He's talking about the land of Canaan. He said that they were to enter into Canaan. Through the waters of Jordan, they were going to have to pass through. You know, any time in the Bible you read in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, as Paul was recalling the wilderness journey and temptations of the children of Israel, saying these things were written for our example for our, uh, all the things that happened unto them were written for our admonition. And he was talking about the children of Israel, how that not all of them entered into Canaan. Some died. They fell in the wilderness as carcasses. And they said they could not enter in because of their unbelief. And he said all of them were baptized with the same water because they passed through the Red Sea. All of them ate the manna and drank from the rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ, but not all of them entered in. But notice he mentioned a baptism of that Red Sea. When they left Egypt and passed through the Red Sea, it was a type of baptism, a type of death. Death to sin. We are buried with Christ in baptism, risen with him in the newness of life. When they pass through that Red Sea, it's a type, a spiritual type of baptism. Uh, Egypt represented the bondage, the slavery of Egypt represented the bondage and the slavery and the captivity of sin. They were leaving out of that. God was delivering them. They couldn't deliver themselves God was delivering them. God was bringing them out. 
It's a type of salvation. They wandered in that wilderness was a type of testing. God was seeing whether they would serve him or not. And because of unbelief, many fell. Now at this time, they're about to pass through the river Jordan with Joshua leading them across and they're going to enter into Canaan. This is a second passing through a body of water. We know that when we're saved, when we're born again, we're baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. That is a spiritual baptism that happens at salvation. We're taken out of sin and placed in the body of Christ. That happens at conversion. We know being Pentecostal folk that after conversion, we are to have you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed. We are to go on unto perfection, the Bible calls it, and to seek for another baptism, a baptism of power. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. That is what this next body of water Jordan represents. They are to pass through this body. It is a type of death to self, sanctification unto God, and a baptism in power, victory in Jesus, victory over the devil, over our enemy, abundant life, a life of blessing, a life of goodness, a good land which the Lord giveth, which the Lord God giveth you. Amen. This baptism in the Holy Ghost is a gift. Amen. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, this good land which the Lord giveth you, a land of abundance, abundant life, revival, victory over the enemy. If you've not yet crossed over into this good land, I want to ask you a question tonight. What are you waiting for? What is hindering you? What is stopping you from crossing over into this good land? In this good land, he tells us in our text, in that last verse, in verse 21, in this good land, there are days of heaven upon earth, meaning abundant blessing, God pouring out his spirit, making us to sit together in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. And then in Ephesians 1 and 3, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So there are days that God has ordained for our life that should be like heaven on earth. That's why I said I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Church should be, you know, our, our, our days of worship, our days of prayer, our days of studying the word of God should be times like heaven on earth. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Listen, what are these blessings and provisions that abound in this good land? Going to look at three among very many. Can't list them all for the sake of time, but we'll just look at three tonight that I believe are laid out for us in some of these verses. Beginning, uh, number one, I want us to look at spiritual enrichment in Christ. Spiritual enrichment in Christ. These, this is one of the blessings, one of the provisions that abound in this good land. Spiritual enrichment or edification in Christ. In verse number nine, we're told that this is a land that floweth with milk and honey. A land that floweth with milk and honey. And then he said in verse 14, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. There are things here in these two verses that edify the children of God, that they are to take in and be edified and enriched by it. You and I reading it as a type, a spiritual type, we see a spiritual enrichment for us in Christ. Number one, the spirit of truth in Christ. The spirit of truth in Christ. You know, the Holy Ghost is called the spirit of truth. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Notice 
As we talk about the spirit of truth, notice the honey and the meat and the milk that's mentioned in our text. Number one, the milk. What does the milk represent? That's pretty easy. The Bible uh, declares unto us as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I want to tell you, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to be spiritually edified, spiritually enriched by Christ, if you want to grow spiritually and don't want to always stay a babe in Christ, don't want to always remain carnal in your ways or in your habits, then you must desire the sincere milk of the word. You know, I'm grieved. I know it's old-fashioned. I know it's a relic of the past, but I'm grieved when churches toss out Sunday school. I am. It's a time when we set aside to study the Word of God. We should desire the sincere milk of the Word. I don't think any of us are above learning. I don't think any of us know it all. We know in it. Well, I've heard that before. Well, every time I read something that I've already read before, it seems as though if I have desire, a greater desire to know Christ in a greater measure, in a greater capacity, or I simply need him during a time of need, a, a time of desperation, I can read it again and a new truth, a new discovery is carved out of the pages of the Bible. And my spirit and my soul are edified. Though the outward man perishes, yet is the inward man renewed day by day. How? I edify it. I enrich it with the word of God. If you starve yourself, uh, you will grow weak. You will wither. And eventually you will die. If you starve your spirit, you won't grow. You will decrease. You'll become skinny and anemic and weak and die eventually spiritually. So the milk represents the desire for the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Even babes, newborns, new converts can sip upon this milk. You may not know how to dissect the word. You haven't cut your teeth yet on the word of God. You don't understand all of, the, all of the doctrines, all of the theology. But there's enough milk in this word, the foundation of the word, that Jesus died for your sin according to the scripture, rose again on the third day according to the scripture so that you might be saved. Amen. You, there's enough milk in the word that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's enough milk in the word whosoever will let him come and drink of the water of life freely. There, there's milk in the word. All ye that labor and are heavy laden He said, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. On and on and on we could go. Even a newborn babe, there's enough simplicity in the word of God that you can grow thereby. I remember reading some of the simplest of Bible stories when I got born again one of the first fruits of the spirit for me was appetite spiritual appetite God began to cause me to fall in love with the word of God you know you don't have to train a baby to nurse the mother's milk when it's born the child is born with an appetite when you're born again You should have a spiritual appetite for the Word of God. I would say one of the first red flags and warning signs, if you have no desire for the Word of God, be concerned. Amen? If you have no desire for the Word of God, be concerned. So there's the milk. Let's look at the 
meat. Notice he said in verse number 15, I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. The meat in Hebrews 5 and 14, it says strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age or, or rather spiritually mature. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, spiritually mature. Paul told the church in Corinth, he said, when I had need to teach you spiritual truth, I could not deliver unto you strong meat, but I had to feed you with milk as babes. Are ye not carnal? Meaning they had not grown. They were still Walking in the flesh. The Bible said that they that name the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity. He said as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, let us walk in the Spirit and we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, when a baby is a baby... They, they have to be held, they have to be carried, they have to be taken to and fro. But as they keep feeding on that milk and their bones develop and they begin to grow, it's natural, it's normal for them to crawl, to pull up, begin to catch their balance. Their bones are able to support their structure and it is a natural process of growth and development for them to begin to walk. When we walk in the Spirit, we begin to desire not only the meat. You know, as those bones get strong, teeth begin to cut through. And they begin to desire more enrichment, more edification, greater substance, food. Those teeth were given for a reason, to chew solid food. Eventually, the meat of the word is where God wants to bring us and to take us that we may grow into a maturity that you might be full. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. A liquid diet would be very tough on me. A liquid diet would be tough on you as an adult. We need more substance than that. A milk diet is tough for a person that's been trying to live for God for years and years. You need to grow. You need to go on under the fullness of God. And that is God's spirit. The fullness of his spirit. Also we see the honey. He said in verse number 9. That it is a land that flows with milk and honey. What is the honey? If the milk is for newborn babes. And the meat are for them that are of full age. The honey's for all. It's for everybody. Psalms 19 verses 9 and 10 said the judgments of the Lord, that's the word of God, are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And then in Psalms 119 and 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. All the sweetness of God's word is ours tonight for the taking. When I think about the Bible, all the sweetness of the word of God is mine tonight for the taking. You, you can just taste and see for yourself that the Lord, he is good. Sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb right there for the taking. You know that you can have, you can grow, you can develop, the, you can become as strong as you want to in God's word. You don't have to remain ignorant. The Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God won't scold you if you ask him for wisdom concerning his word. Oh God, teach me your word. Help me. Give me understanding. Open the pages of it and begin reading. I promise God will talk to you. 
Bible study, Bible time will become sweet time, precious time. Also, we see the corn. He tells us in these scriptures that he would give us rain, the early rain and the latter rain. That the that thou mayest gather in, in verse 14, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. We're talking about being spiritually edified or spiritually enriched as the provision, the blessings of God in this good land. What does the corn symbolize? If the last three, the milk, the meat, and the honey, if those last three apply to truth in the spirit of the spirit of truth, The corn applies to life, life in the spirit. Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. That hard husk has to fall into the ground. It breaks down and decomposes under the laws of nature that are in the earth. And then life breaks forth. He said, Paul did in Romans 8, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is that if we live after the flesh, we will die. But let us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, not live after the flesh. If we live after the spirit, we'll live. It's what the Bible teaches. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free. We've broke forth like a bud. We've sprouted out of death into life. Listen, we're crucified with Christ. We're buried with him in his death. We then break forth with him and are raised with him by the spirit of God under the newness of life. That is the corn. It represents the life of the Spirit of God springing forth in us. Not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Then we have the wine. He said that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine. In Psalms 104 and verse 15. And wine that maketh glad the heart of men. That word glad there is cheerful or joyful. Listen, many places they didn't have water. They didn't have clean water to drink. And if they could get the fruit of the vine, the juice of the grape, then it was absolutely a delicacy, a delight for them to be able to have that to drink. It was health, nourishment in their body. It brought joy to the camp. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are these, love, joy, Peter said, joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus said, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, Amen. He said, when you walk and live according to his statutes and his commandments, uh, he said, I'll make it to rain in this good land, days of heaven on earth that you'll gather in the corn. He said, this life will spring forth uh, and you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'll tell you, folks, the Holy Ghost is good for whatever else you just is. If you, if you need joy tonight, uh, just pray a little while. Just lift your hands and love on God. Just seek him a little while in prayer. Seek him until the Holy Ghost comes. And when he comes, it's joy. Oh, yeah. Amen. He said, thy corn, thy wine, and thine oil. If the corn is life, and the wine is joy, then the oil is light. And illumination. For in that same verse 15 of Psalms 104, and oil, he said, wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine. They would apply that oil to the man of God's face that his face would shine or be illuminated with the shine or the glistening of that oil that had been applied. When the anointing oil was poured down upon his head and it ran down over his face and over his beard, whenever he was in any light, that oil, that oil 
uh, illuminated the light that was shining upon the man's face. Uh, It is a type of light or illumination. Oil was used in the lamp, used as fuel upon the wick of the lamp to give light to all who were in the room. The Spirit of God is also called the light of life. Amen. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus illuminates my life. It leads me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, the Spirit leads us and guides us then into all truth. There's much more. This is but a sampling. The oil and the wine and the corn and the milk and the honey and the meat. This is but a sprinkling, a sampling of what God talks to us about, about spiritual uh, uh, refreshment or spiritual enrichment. Let's move on to spiritual refreshment in Christ. We're still talking about God's provisions, God's blessings, spiritual enrichment and spiritual refreshment in Christ. In verse number 11 and also in verse number 14, verse 11, but the land, whether you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. In verse 14, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. God said the land drinks the water of the rain of heaven. He said in verse 10, this land, whither thou goest to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out. That was a dry land. That was a desert land. That was an infertile land. And they had to wait for the Nile River to overflow its banks. And they had to irrigate the crops. That was their only chance for crops to grow was irrigation. God said, this is not going to be that kind of land. This is a good land. A land that I will open up the heavens and pour out rain upon this land. God said this land drinks the water of the rain of heaven. He said, I will give you rain in due season, the first rain and the latter rain. God said, I am prepared tonight to pour out water on him that is thirsty. Glory. I am prepared tonight to pour out water on him that is thirsty. This is a land that drinketh the water of the rains from heaven. If the land is thirsty, then he said, I'm going to pour out water upon it because I watch over this land to care for it. I watch, I care for it continuously from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. I give it rain early rain and latter rain. If the land is thirsty, then I'm looking over it to to pour out water. He that is a thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. If your heart is thirsty, Jesus said, just come. I'm watching over you. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Glory to his name. I'm prepared to pour water on him that is a thirst. This land isn't irrigated by the Nile. Oh God, tonight, make us thirsty for your spirit. Listen, if revival doesn't come in general to the church as a whole, there's so many times as a pastor, I want revival to come to the church. But let's just be honest. As a church, if we're not praying, as a whole, if the church is not seeking, as a whole, if the church is not being faithful, as a whole, if the church is engaging in sin, just ask Achan what one man's sin can do to the whole camp. If there's sin in that camp somewhere, God is going to deal with it, expose it, and judge it. 
Listen, if for some reason, perchance, the church as a whole in general is not having revival, there is nothing stopping us from having revival individually in our heart. Oh, I want to say that again. If the church as a whole is not having a revival, there's nothing stopping you tonight from God pouring out his spirit upon you. Woo, hallelujah. I'm glad that I don't have to be dry just because my neighbor's dry. Say amen right there. I don't have to be dry just because my neighbor's dry. I can have as much of God as I want. Oh, glory. Don't look at me funny. If God is raining on my fields, then I'm shouting the victory. And I'm worshiping and praising God for his goodness upon my life. I'm just recounting the fact that God said, this is a good land. I'll pour out water. I'll give you milk and honey and meat. Oil and corn and wine. It can all be yours. I'm watching over this land. Are you thirsty tonight? Are you ready to have revival in your heart? Listen, the invitation stands open. He said, I will pour water, rain upon you. My God, let it rain on me tonight. My God, let it rain on my neighbor tonight. Oh God, let it rain in the church tonight. Amen. We see spiritual enrichment, spiritual refreshment, then that leads to spiritual contentment in Christ. I'm not talking about a bad contentment. I'm talking about resting in Jesus. I'm talking about being full, being satisfied, being pleased with Christ. In verse number 12, a land which the Lord thy God careth for, The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. From the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. Listen. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. Enriched. Refreshed. Now God is watching over me continuously. Therefore I am full. I am blessed. I am edified. I am growing. It is raining upon my fields. I am yielding a harvest. I am blessed. Therefore, I am contented. God is watching over me. There's there's no contentment like that of a child whose mother or father is watching over them, watching over their every need. If they're hungry, I'm feeding them. If they're thirsty, I'm giving them drink. If they need bathing, I'm cleansing them. If they need changing, I'm changing them. Whatever the need is, if they get hurt, I'm nursing the wound. There's nothing like holding a child and they're so peaceful that they're just smiling and laughing and talking and and, and finally they're resting in your arms into a peaceful sleep. What is happening? That child is content. That's the way we are in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm in the bosom of God. Oh, he has fed me. I've been thirsty and he has poured water out upon me. He has supplied my every need according to his riches in glory and now like a lamb I lay down in green pastures I read commentary where where shepherds say a lamb is the shyest most fearful and timid creature they have no natural means of self defense they just have no natural defense mechanism they are dependent upon that shepherd only two things will cause a shy scared and timid sheep or lamb to lie down. Number one, to be in the company of the shepherd where they feel safe and they have drank by still waters and they have eaten in green pastures. They are safe and they are full. And then and only then will they lie down in a state of contentment. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Praise the Lord. 
feel God in here tonight. So we've looked at God's spiritual enrichment. We've looked at his spiritual refreshment and what it brings, spiritual contentment. That's God's provision. With God's provision, there are conditions. This is where we'll close it out tonight in verses 8 and in verse number 10. Verse 8, therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. And then in verse number 10, for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from which you came out. The land, this is the first condition, the land must be possessed. You have to go in. You have to go after it. You have to possess it. Somebody said, well, if God wants me to be blessed, he'll just bless me. If God wants me to be healed, then he'll just heal me. If God wants me to be filled, he wants me to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He knows I love him. He'll just fill me. Wrong, 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 wrong. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it. This land is possessed by the enemy. And you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to war. You're going to have to possess it. The enemy had to be driven out. The devil's not just going to sit by on the sideline and watch you receive every spiritual blessing. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to be faithful. You're going to have to endure hardness. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. That's the way it is, folk. Listen. Conditions. They're directive conditions. Verse 13 and 14. And it shall come to pass if, there's that word, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. The blessing is conditional upon threefold obedience. He lists three conditions in those two verses. I want to talk about them real quick. Number one, he said, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day. Hearken means to hear. If you will hear God, if you will hearken to God, if you will hear God's word and then obey God's word. As simple as that. If you will hear God's word and then yield, hearken, obey God's word, he said, then I will pour out rain, the first rain and the latter rain upon your land. It's a conditional promise. If, if you will hear and hearken. Secondly, notice he said, to love the Lord your God. The conditions, number one, is hearing God. Number two, it is loving God. That's important to God. Remember the Ten Commandments? The first one, the first and the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with a little bit of your heart and a piece of your soul and just a touch of your mind. No, no, no. All. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. That's what the first and the greatest commandment is. God takes that first commandment pretty seriously. I want to ask you tonight, are you loving God with everything you've got? Do you love God with all your heart, all your soul? Is there anything you've put before God? 
Have you put God on the back burner for other things in your life? I can tell you as I got born again and I began to seek for more of God and desire the blessing of God, naturally there were things in my life that God said those things are competing with your love and your dedication, your steadfastness to me. I, I just want that gone. Can I, can I tell you a few things without y'all saying that I'm preaching against all these things and saying if somebody does these things, they're going to hell? I'm not saying that at all. When I got saved, I was playing softball. And I played every weekend because I like to play. I like playing with all my buddies. We'd play in those tournaments. I grew up an athlete, so... It's natural for me to be at the ballpark. I, I still like, and I got saved. But listen, all those buddies were drinking and carrying on and doing what they do. And there I was saved, sitting at the ballpark. And they're all, come on over here, man. Come on, come on. Don't sit over there by yourself. Come on over here and talk to us. I always had. Now I'm saved. I don't want to be around drinking and cussing and carrying on. But I'm the only one that's not doing it. They're begging me to come over there to the tailgate. We got an hour for the next game. Come on over here. I'm exposed to that all day long. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, What fellowship hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? You can't drink of the Lord's cup and the devil's too. The Lord said, This, this don't mean anything to you anymore. Just let this go. Man. I just bought one of those high dollar bats. You know, one of them light, one of them ones they just came out with. I forget what kind it was, a Demarini or something. About $250. Woo! Gave my bat away. <laughs> Gave my glove away. Gave my cleats away. Not going to play it anymore. Somebody said, well, Ain't nothing wrong with playing softball, no. Not anything sinful about a softball or a baseball bat, a pair of cleats or a glove. But it was competing, Brother Daniel, my devotion to the Lord. God said, just move that out of the way, will you? All your heart. All your stuff. I think back, maybe if I'm not willing to pay that little price, I'm never going to be a preacher of the gospel. I wasn't called to preach yet. Had no idea God wanted to call me to preach. But if I don't possess it, if I don't love him with all my heart, he's not even going to attempt to call me to preach. Think of the souls that would have never got saved. Think of the people that would have never been healed. The people that would have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe this church wouldn't even be here. I don't know. That was just one of the ifs for me. Love me with all your heart. Give that up. I did. I was bowling two nights a week in the men's bowling league. Somebody said, oh my God. He just struck down softball and he hit the bowling alley. <laughs> I was bowling two nights a week on the men's league. I was good too. Had me a fingertip ball. Man, I enjoyed that. We grew up as kids bowling in them youth bowling leagues. And I'd learned how to throw that fingertip, but bought me one of them high-dollar expensive rhino bowling balls, high-dollar bag, high-dollar shoes. I'm into it, buddy. I'm enjoying it. Want to bowl at 300 just as much as a golfer wants to hit a hole in one. I'm after that perfect game. Come close a few times. Getting better all the while. Same deal, them guys sitting in, sitting in the bowling alley, sipping on their suds, telling their dirty jokes, cussing like sailors. I'm sitting there one night, and the Holy Ghost said, these guys going to church with you Sunday? And I said, I've asked them, Lord, they don't want to go. These guys want to talk about the Bible with you? No, Lord, they don't want to talk about the Bible. They want to tell dirty jokes. Look at you sitting off to your side. Trying to fit in with a group you can't fit in with. Why are you here? I said, I don't know, Lord. The Lord said, lay this down. He ain't called me to preach yet and didn't have any clue he would. He just tested me. Are you going to give me all? 
I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I'm talking to somebody. You're going to give me all. I remember saying to the captain of that bowl team, Brother Chris, hey, you know anybody wants a, wants this rhino I got? What in the world are you talking about? I, I'm going to quit. Quit. League, this new league just started. Man, you're getting good. We need you on the team. Why you want to quit? So the guy saved. The guy said, got what? So the guy saved. He said, well, you talking about going to church? He said, we all go to church. He said, you ain't got to quit. I said, no. I said, I grew up in church. I've always gone to church. But I got born again. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I mean, I, I, I'm in love with, the, with Christ. I, I'm reading the Bible. I, I'm studying. I, I'm growing spiritually. I, I don't belong here no more. It grieves me to hear these songs. It grieves me to be around beer drinking. It grieves me to hear profanity. He said, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I said, I, I'm not saying it so you will feel like you're an offense to me. I'm saying it because God's dealing with me. You know somebody, he said, my son wants it. My son will take the, 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 the ball, the bag. He even had the same size shoes. He said, he'll take it all. Sold it all. Quit. His son took my place. Gave that up. I'm just telling you, loving God with everything. Not saying that softball's a sin, nor bowling. I'm just saying God takes that love thing pretty serious. He'll deal with a man about it. Dealt with me over it. Conditions. Hear God. Love God. And then he said, not only to hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God. He then said, and to serve him. With all your heart and with all your soul. Well, I don't have to be. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Hear them tires screeching. To serve him. With all your heart and with all your soul. That's why God ordained the church. The body of Christ. He's the head. The church is his body. The Bible said Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Who are you that you're better than the church? You don't have to get saved in a church. You can get saved anywhere. But I know the Holy Ghost. I know that Christ died for the church because he loved the church to redeem unto himself a church. For his very own. And if you get born again, the first work of the Holy Ghost is going to lead you to a church where you can belong to that body and you can serve God. Hallelujah. You can serve God. You can serve him in worship. You can serve him in giving. You can serve him in going. He said to serve with all your heart. So your obedience must be so vigorous, passionate, that it must be seen in your home, in your social life, and in your vocational life. So where do you get that? We're talking about directive conditions, conditions of obedience. Your obedience must be so passionate, so vigorous that it must be seen in all of your life, every area of your life. Verse 18, therefore shall ye lay up these words, these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes. The Jews took this so literally that they would take scriptures, write them down on tiny pieces of parchment paper bind them in a small box and put them in that box that was called a frontlet and the frontlet would hang down off of a tassel off of their cap literally between their eyes so that when they looked anywhere they could see the, the, the outline, the edges of that box that would remind them of the law of God that they were to live by it and obey it if they expected God to bless them. 
Notice the next verse in verse 19. You shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, when thou, and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates. Listen, I must be seen in my home loving God or hearing God, loving God and serving God. He said in verse 18, lay it up in your heart and in your soul. Bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. My personal life, in my heart, in my soul, in my in my personal life, at home, not only in church, at home, anywhere I am, I need to be a Christian. Anywhere I am, I need to love God. I need to obey God. I need to serve God. Not only in my personal life, but in my social life. He said, among your friends, your neighbor, and your kinsmen, you shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I want to tell you, young people, if you've got godly parents, it is their godly responsibility to teach you, thus saith the Lord, that thou shalt and that thou shalt not. And the, and the worst part of being, you know, sneaky, the worst part of being rebellious, the worst part of being disobedient is you know what you've been taught. And when you slip around it, you got to live with that. You got to walk back in that home. You're not just convicted when you come to church. You're convicted in the house. You're convicted in your living room, convicted in the kitchen, convicted in the bedroom. Listen, that's the way God ordained it. Live this in your heart and life and live this in your home. If you will, your children will be born again. Amen. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. One of the greatest joys of your life will be watching your children and your grandchildren serve this living God. Oh, hallelujah. That's God's plan of blessing for your life. Days of heaven upon earth. Then also in your vocational life, he said, let it be. As signs upon the posts of the door. And you walk out going into that world. Be reminded. That we need to be obedient children to God. Hang it upon the gates. The gates were places where they did business. Hang it upon the gates. Remember. In the workplace to be honest. Before God and before your neighbor. To be godly even in your character of how you do business with men. Whatever you do, the Bible said, do it hardly as unto God and not as unto men. Your name, your reputation means everything to God. If you ever get the reputation of being a liar, then you can't witness for Jesus. If you ever get the reputation for being a thief, a crook, a crooked businessman that does crooked deals, your testimony is everything. Come help me, Kirsten. I'm close. Those were directive conditions. I'm closing with corrective conditions. Corrective conditions. Verse 16 and 17. Take heed to yourself. That your heart be not deceived and you turn not aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. He shut up the heaven that there be no rain. And that the land yield not her fruit lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. First thing he said, wants us to notice these corrective conditions. The directive conditions were threefold under obedience. The corrective conditions are fourfold. He said, if you're not warned, if you're not careful, if you don't take heed to obey and there'll be a fourfold decline or a fourfold deterioration in your life. Number one, he said, 
in verse 16, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. That's the first thing that will happen. Your heart will be deceived. Deceitfulness of heart. The Bible said the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Out of the heart come murders, adulteries, fornications, wickedness. The Bible said, beware, lest any of you through an evil heart of unbelief depart from the living God. Who can know his own heart? I don't trust my heart. I ask God when I pray, Lord, search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Shine the spotlight of your word upon my deceitful heart, lest I be fooled, lest I be tricked into believing that I'm all right when I'm not. He said, if you're not obeying God, then the first thing that will happen is your heart will be deceived. You'll think everything is all right when it's not. Then secondly, deceitfulness of heart leads to a disobedient heart. He said, your heart be not deceived and you turn aside. When your heart becomes a disobedient heart, you then turn Aside, You turn from the commands of the Lord. You turn unto this world and you turn unto sin. And your heart is deteriorating. Your spirit is declining. Your spiritual life is withering. It's not raining anymore. The land is thirsty. And the harvest is drying up. And the yield is decreasing. You're not being blessed like you once were. Listen, deceitfulness of heart leads to disobedient hearts. And disobedient hearts lead to the debasement of the heart. Verse 16, you turn aside and serve other gods, most notably the God of self. In the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's the worst form of idolatry. We cater to self. We appease self. We adhere to self. Whether it be in appetites, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in our works. Whatever we do, we cater to the flesh. We cater to self, to please self. Whatever feels good, do it. Whatever you want to do, do it. God will understand. God exists to cater to you. God exists to bless you. God exists to give you a better life. Whatever happening, me existing for his pleasure. Me existing to do his will. Me existing his will and pleasure not my will thy will be done it leads to debasement of heart we turn and serve other gods the god of self if you want to know what debasement of heart is read romans chapter one they changed the truth of god into a lie and their foolish hearts were darkened and they became fools god gave them over to reprobate minds It's what has happened in America today. Men burning after men and women after women. Society loving to have it that way. It's the basement of heart. Verse 17. That will finally lead to desolation of heart. Then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and the land yield not her fruit. Lest you perish from off the good land these first three steps of deterioration start taking place then you don't see them no more they just quit coming just not there anymore there's no more fruit on the vine it shriveled up and died it quit raining 
on that good land that God gave them to possess it. Everything dried up and perished from off the land. That's desolation of heart. Nothing, there's nothing of God left. You've withered up, dried up, deteriorated spiritually. That's all that's left when there's no obedience. And I want to tell you tonight, you're sitting under an open heaven. God said, I won the victory. Through my death and resurrection, I prayed the Father that he would send you another company, the Holy Ghost. You now sit under an open heaven. Go into this land that I have obtained for you and possess it. And be careful to obey my commandments and to love me with all your heart and to serve me with all your heart. And if you'll do these things, if you'll thirst after me, I'll rain, I'll pour water upon you. You'll take in a harvest, milk and honey and meat and oil and corn and wine. It'll all be yours. You'll be edified. You'll grow. It'll be the best days of your life, days of heaven upon earth. That's what I want. That's what God wants for me. That's what God wants for every one of you, days of heaven upon earth. How many of you pray that prayer with me? Oh God, help me to be an obedient child. To love you with all my heart, to serve you with all my heart. Oh God, to be like the children of Israel, to keep the word of God ever before my eyes. That I could lift up holy hands without wrath, without doubting. To be content as a child that's been blessed beyond measure. To rest in your bosom. In your presence is fullness of joy. Let me desire the sincere milk of the word that I may grow thereby. God, increase my appetite for the meat of your word that I might be full of the spirit of God. Cause me to possess the land that you won for me at Calvary to drive out the powers of the enemy from before me. Give me victory in Jesus. Oh God, let me see my children my loved one saved and born again if there's anything that hinders me from serving you I want to serve you with all my heart I'll put it away God if you'll show it to me deal with me tonight do a work in me tonight maybe you're needing the baptism of the Holy Ghost and God has dealt with you to start hungering and thirsting for it. he said if the land is thirsty I'll rain on it that's me God open up the windows of heaven let it rain tonight Let it rain upon this good land you've caused us to inherit.